Welcome to Across the Street, your one-stop shop for all things inpatient medicine at the Durham VA, from faculty and staff who know it and love it just as much as you do. My name is Mike Sicali. I'm a pulmonologist working as a hospitalist at the Durham VA Medical Center, and I'm an associate consulting professor in the General Internal Medicine Division at Duke University. The topic of this podcast is chest tubes and drainage devices. Let's begin with a clinical vignette. Mr. Brown is a 72-year-old man with severe COPD with a bullous emphysema phenotype who was admitted to the hospital for an acute exacerbation of COPD. He's being treated with low-flow oxygen, nebulized albuterol every four hours as needed, budesonide, famotorol, 160, 4.5, two puffs twice daily, teotropium daily, azithromycin daily for five days, and prednisone, 40 milligrams daily for five days. On the morning after admission, the patient had a witnessed coughing fit lasting several minutes, followed by respiratory distress, tachycardia, tachypnea, hypotension, and hypoxemia. So the nurse paged the patient's provider to come to the bedside immediately. The goal of this podcast is to review the management of patients who have had chest tube thoracostomy. Let's first discuss the types of chest tubes and indication for chest tube insertion. Chest tubes are made in a range of sizes measured by their external diameter from 6 French to 40 French. For adults, 20 French to 40 French, which equates to 6.7 to 13.3 millimeter external diameter, are commonly used. Small pigtail catheters that range in size from 5 French to 14 French are used as a less invasive alternative to chest tube thoracostomy, especially for pneumothorax. The indications for chest tube thoracostomy include drainage of pneumothorax, pleurally effusion, complicated paranemonic effusion and empyema, and any thoracic surgical procedure, including thoracotomy, video-assisted thoracoscopic surgery, and pleuroscopy. Now let's talk about the most important part of a chest tube drainage device and how to evaluate for an air leak. The most important component of a chest tube drainage device is a one-way valve that allows contents to exit the pleural space via the chest tube on exhalation and prevents air and or fluid from entering the pleural space via the chest tube on inhalation. The type of one-way valve utilized on a pleurovac is called water seal. On a pleurovac, the water seal valve is composed of a plastic straw that is submerged in two centimeters of blue colored water 
and is identified by the red trapezoid in the left lower corner of the pleurovac. The meniscus of blue water in the water seal straw moves up the straw during inhalation, reflecting the negative intrapleural pressure during inhalation, and the meniscus of the blue water in the water seal straw moves down the straw during exhalation, reflecting the positive intrapleural pressure during exhalation. The up and down movement of the meniscus of blue water in the water seal straw is called tidal and is a reflection of the fluctuation of intrapleural pressure during inhalation and exhalation. When tidal, or the up and down movement of the meniscus of blue water in the water seal straw is absent, it suggests that the chest tube is not communicating freely with the intrapleural space. The other type of one-way valve is a Heimlich valve. A Heimlich valve is a clear plastic cylinder that encases a Penrose drain connected to a Christmas tree connector on the inlet side of the valve. During exhalation, positive intrapleural pressure causes the leaves of the Penrose drain to separate and allows air and or fluid to pass through the Penrose drain of the Heimlich valve and flow out the Christmas tree connector on the outlet side of the valve. During inhalation, negative intrapleural pressure causes the leaves of the Penrose drain to become opposed and as a result, prevents air and or fluid from going back into the chest tube. On a pleurovac, you should look for an air leak in the water seal chamber. When an air leak is present, bubbles will appear in the air leak meter during exhalation. When a chest tube is inserted for a pneumothorax, Initially, you will see an air leak in the water seal chamber until the pneumothorax is completely evacuated. Once the pneumothorax is evacuated, the air leak should resolve. The presence of an air leak at any other time suggests that air is getting into the pleural space, chest tube, or drainage device. The source of this air leak must be investigated by looking for loose connections between the pleurovac and the drainage tubing and between the drainage tubing and the chest tube. Additionally, the chest tube insertion site should be examined to look for a loose purse string suture or an exposed chest tube side port and a chest radiograph should be performed to look for a chest tube side port that has migrated out of the pleural space and into the chest wall. If any of these abnormalities are identified, they should be corrected by tightening loose connections or by placing a Vaseline gauze dressing at the chest tube insertion site. If none of these abnormalities are identified and the air leak persists, the patient may have a bronchopleural fistula and should be further evaluated and treated appropriately. Now let's talk about the other two components of a pleurovac. 
The two other components of a pleurobac are the collection chamber and the suction control chamber. The first of the three pleurovac chambers connected in series is the collection chamber. The collection chamber is identified as the white hexagon on the right side of the pleurovac, and it allows for the collection and quantification of drained pleural fluid. The second pleurovac chamber connected in series is the water seal chamber, previously discussed in detail. The third chamber connected in series is the suction control chamber and is identified as the blue trapezoid in the left upper corner of the pleurovac. 20 centimeter water suction is usually used initially after chest tube thoracostomy. However, suction is not required for evacuation of pleural air and or fluid. Pleural fluid contents will be evacuated during each exhalation in a properly positioned and functioning chest tube. Finally, let's talk about chest tube removal. The following is the process for removing a chest tube when inserted for pneumothorax. If the patient's cardiorespiratory vital signs are stable, and if there's no evidence of an air leak, and if chest radiography does not show a pneumothorax, the patient should be taken off suction. If, after 12 to 24 hours off suction, the patient's cardiorespiratory vital signs are stable, and there's no evidence of an air leak, and chest radiography does not show a pneumothorax, the chest tube can be removed. The chest tube should be removed quickly during exhalation or while the patient is humming. The following is the process for removing a chest tube when inserted for pleural effusion. When pleural fluid drainage is less than 100 milliliters in 24 hours, and when the patient's cardiorespiratory vital signs are stable, and there's no evidence of an air leak, and chest radiography shows an expanded lung, the chest tube can be removed. The chest tube should be removed quickly during exhalation or while the patient is humming. The following is the process for removing a chest tube when inserted for complicated paranemonic effusion or empyema. After the chest tube has been in place for about two weeks, visceral and parietal pleural symphysis should have occurred, which means that the lung cannot collapse. When pleural symphysis has occurred, the chest tube can be disconnected from the chest tube drainage device, including water seal, and the chest tube can be cut off near the insertion site and a safety pin placed through the chest tube near the insertion site to prevent the chest tube from migrating into the thorax. The chest tube is then slowly removed about one centimeter per week until the chest tube falls out. This allows 
the infected pleural space to heal from the inside out, which lessens the likelihood of recurrent pleural space infection. Now let's return to our clinical vignette. Upon bedside arrival, you confirm the vital signs noted by the nurse and note resonance to percussion and decreased breath sounds over the left hemithorax and hyperresonance to percussion and absent breath sounds over the right hemithorax. You suspect a right-sided pneumothorax and possibly a right-sided tension pneumothorax. You immediately prep the right second intercostal space in the midclavicular line and insert an IV catheter just above the right third rib in the midclavicular line. As soon as the catheter enters the pleural space, air escapes through the lumen of the catheter under pressure and the patient's vital signs quickly improve and return to baseline. You place the IV catheter to a one-way valve and consult pulmonary or thoracic surgery to perform a right chest tube thoracotomy. The things that I would like you to remember from this podcast are, one, the indications for chest tube thoracostomy. Two, the importance of a one-way valve as a part of all chest tube drainage devices. Three, where to look for an air leak and what to do if an air leak is detected. Four, the function of the three components of a pleurovac. And five, the process for chest tube removal. The views and opinions stated during this podcast are my own and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of the Department of Veterans Affairs or the Durham VA Hospital.